my fellow plebs. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Moon Mortgage. As the world moves increasingly towards the mainstream adoption of Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage makes it possible to materialize your assets into real estate. Through the collateralization of mortgages with Bitcoin and other digital assets, Moon Mortgage will be launching lending solutions to allow investors to easily leverage their assets to purchase investments in owner-occupied property. Moon Mortgage's crypto mortgage will be launching soon for home buyers in Texas, Florida, and Colorado, and will also be open to investors in most states across the U.S. for investment properties. Welcome to the future of mortgages. Visit moonmortgage.com today to register and learn more. Moon Mortgage Residential is registered with the NMLS under number 235334. My fellow plebs, River is setting a new standard in Bitcoin. At river.com, you'll pay zero fees when you dollar cost average. Truly the best way to build your Bitcoin wealth. All Bitcoin at River is held in secure cold storage with 100% full reserves. There's no need to wonder what's happening behind the scenes. Your Bitcoin is your Bitcoin to withdraw at any time. Additionally, River lets you make Bitcoin payments via the Lightning Network, offers a Lightning integration for developers, and allows you to mine Bitcoin directly to your River account. River has a level of service that is unheard of in this industry, including phone support, private client advisors, and the ability to designate beneficiaries to inherit your Bitcoin wealth. River has become the premium name in Bitcoin that anyone can easily access. Sure, you have a place to buy Bitcoin, but have you tried River? See and feel the difference at river.com and the River iOS app, the preferred partner of Bitcoin Magazine. Today's episode is brought to you by Gordon Law Group. If you've tried to do Bitcoin taxes yourself, you know how complicated it is. You can spend hours and hours going through your transactions and researching tax forms, and you're still not sure if it's right or if the IRS will come after you. Or maybe you're so intimidated by Bitcoin taxes that you don't even know where to start. Gordon Law Group can help. Ditch the spreadsheets and feel confident with a bulletproof Bitcoin tax return. They can help with IRS payment plans, and they also provide a full range of legal and accounting services for Bitcoin and digital asset startups. Get your taxes done right the first time with the original Bitcoin and digital asset tax pros. Go to gordonlawltd.com forward slash BTC. As a bonus, they'll send you the ultimate Bitcoin tax guide for free. That's gordonlawltd.com forward slash BTC. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of FedWatch. My name is Ansel Lindner. I'm here with my co-host, CK. How are you doing today, CK? The busiest man in Bitcoin. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I can't stop flying around, moving around. I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia, from a hotel room, here supporting my wife, who's on a work trip. Uh, and then actually next week, I'll be dialing in from, I'll be dialing in from Orlando in the MicroStrategy Summit. Uh, and you know, after that, it's the the week before the Bitcoin conference, and then you'll be seeing Ansel and I on the yeah. news desk at Bitcoin 2023. So the rest of you know, the, my next 21 days, 21 days until the conference, three weeks until the conference, my next 21 days are completely jam packed. We are bringing you content. We are bringing you the Bitcoin conference, and we are doing it on the road. So lots to talk about in macro, but. That's that's what's going on in my life, in case any of you cared. <laughs> well, yeah, if you guys are new to the show, what we do here is we talk about Bitcoin and how it fits into the 
true picture of the macroeconomic situation in the world. Today, we're going to cover this de-dollarization hysteria or hype that we're hearing all over the world. It seems like you can't look at the headlines on any day of the week without seeing a new headline about de-dollarization. The M2 money supply is crashing. We're going to take a look at some of those charts and read a little bit, a little article. And Q1 GDP just dropped this morning. It was kind of a shocker. So we're going to cover that. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're watching this. Rumble and YouTube still are having their back and forth. We have good days on Rumble and then good days on YouTube. So make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. Pump up the numbers with your best platform or your favorite platform. All right, CK, want to talk about the conference a little bit? Absolutely. And I was just putting out a tweet for the show. So like, subscribe, smash, retweet on that tweet. Y'all, I mean, this agenda is coming together. The event is coming together. It is going to be absolutely incredible. Go to, you know, do me a favor. If you're listening to the show, go to b.tc forward slash conference forward slash agenda or navigate to the agenda tab on the homepage and take a look at this spicy agenda. We got three days worth of content coming up. We have awesome panels. We have the Bitcoin 101 self-custody inside the deep. It's a, it's a session with uh, NVK and Matt Odell. We have so much good stuff, you know, in terms of the main stage, you know, you can kind of toggle on that page between which stage you're going to be looking at, but just want to like hit off some of the amazing content that's on the main stage. We are talking about investing in the Bitcoin businesses with Jeff Booth and Mike Moose. We're talking about the future of creator ecosystem with Zuby, Justin Rizvani, Michelle Pham, huge, huge stars. We're doing a keynote with Robert Breedlove, the flow states and free markets. Really hyped for that. Followed, you know, immediately on the main stage with thermodynamic savings. Bill Miller, the fourth, and Michael Saylor. That's going to be an incredible fireside chat. Uh, we have a juicy, great ordinal debate, very hot topic in Bitcoin right now is, you know, are these things good? So we have, you know, Casey Rodemar, Eric Wall, Udi, Pete Rizzo, Matt Carrillo talking about, you know, is this good for Bitcoin? We have Lynn Alden and Natalie Smolinski talking about Bitcoin energy systems in the state. That's something that we talk about all the time here on FedWatch. We have Michael Lewis and Arthur Hayes talking about the confidence crisis in our existing system. Alex Glassstein talking about Bitcoin versus the IMF. Keynote by Jack Maulers. This is just the first day, just on one of five stages. You know, it is honestly back to back to back wow. to back is incredible. There's so much good content that is going to be happening. And, uh, you know, you if you want to see what the actual expo floor looks like, what the convention looks like, Go over to at the Bitcoin conference, check out the, you know, kind of the graphic overview of what's happening at the event. The product is incredible. The expo hall is going to be incredible. Hundreds of companies, hundreds of miners, like the mining ecosystem is huge. So I think Bitcoiners are going to be really, really thrilled with everything in Miami Beach, May 18th through the 20th. Our Bitcoin week page, again, if, if you just go to the website, everything is there. Go to the website, go to plan click on Bitcoin week. There are already like 30, 40 awesome events that are happening around the conference. Bitcoin brunch in Miami. Thank God for Bitcoin happening the day before the conference. Pickleball happening all throughout the event. Bitcoin cocktail party that's happening on May 16th. Toxic Bitcoin happy hour, May 18th. Man, there's just so much happening. Sunset social, May 19th. Coffee with Gary, May 19th. The Nostrich karaoke night. 
So, I mean, it is going to be so much Jeez. fun, so much FOMO. One that hasn't even been really talked about, but, you know, rabbit hole recap with Matt and Marty live at the Bitcoin conference. So it, it's going to be absolutely baller. I can't wait. So Holy I'm going to stop shilling, but you can use BM Live, save 10% off your ticket. Ticket prices go up next Friday and we're just flat running out of time. So do not FOMO in. You're pretty much in the FOMO in territory now. So maybe you should just FOMO in. FOMO in sooner <laughs> rather than later and save money than buying at the door because that's the most expensive. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Huge update on the conference there. I can't wait. Jeez Louise. That was that just all the first day or you're talking yeah, about Yeah, first day, one stage, you know, and, and we got oh five God. stages and Ansel, I mean, we got to get you up on the website, but you need to fill out your form, send us your information oh so we can get you on the site, my man. I'm a, I'm a little bit low key on there, my OPSEC, but okay. Let's, how about we jump into the charts, CK? All right. Let's jump into the charts. Y'all, we got a jam packed show for you. All right, so the first chart here is the Bitcoin daily chart bounced off of the 50-day moving average. This time we are back into this kind of resistance zone that we've been seemingly talking about for, what, six or seven weeks, and we are still here, but it is looking pretty strong. CK, do you have any comments about on the daily chart? Man, you know, y'all know that I have been commenting on the Bitcoin price. It has been really interesting. <laughs> For a while now, and I would say the price action has been healthy. You know, we popped yeah. up above, above 30, we tested below, and it looks like we're fighting back up. You know, I'll be very interested to see, you know, if we consolidate in 29 for a while or if we're able to stay above 30 for a while. I think we could see a leg up from here. I'm not a TA analyst or anything like that, but just like looking at this, the feel in the market whatever I know about, you know, kind of looking at a chart, that's just kind of like my gut here is uh, if we can go above 30k and hold it, you know, we, we could see higher prices, but you know, maybe, maybe we get rejected. You know, I would say right now, 30k is resistance. Your red line here is, is perfectly accurate of like, you know, where's the battlefield? Yeah, if you see that candle yesterday, that has the long wicks on it and everything, supposedly, I, I don't, I haven't confirmed this or anything, but did the U.S. government got some Mt. Gox coins that were unlocked and they went out and dumped them? So that was the big dump yesterday. I, I heard that from the guys over there on my Telegram channel. But the next chart here is the weekly, and you can see where we get that red resistance zone that we're battling with. And again, I took I didn't show it on this one, the little you know rocket with the sun, blue skies above. But really, once we break this zone i think things can really heat up pretty quickly and fomo can kick in just in time for the conference which is pretty awesome yeah i mean Ansel, let's let's just like zoom back to october of 2021 and seeing us climb to these highs you know yeah. i know that this is us you know the first time that we got there and we revisited later on but there there was not really a fight at this point with the mm -hmm. bitcoin price so you know i I'm looking now, looking at July on kind of reclaiming 35K, and this feels a lot more sustainable in terms of like earning those price levels back, spending time at these price levels, letting different market actors kind of accumulate and have opportunities to accumulate and really set a kind of a much more strong floor. Because, you know, go back to October, that's all hot air. That's whole, all hot air. And then, you know, almost like a relief pump that happened, you know, one year later, the following October 22. 
Yeah, exactly. I think these price levels have to become normalized, right? It's you have to start thinking of Bitcoin worth $9,000. Once you think it's worth $9,000, then the price can start expanding and going up. Now, I think this this around 25 to 30 is really starting to sink in that this is like a fair market value, which you say can turn into a floor and we'll go up from there. So, yeah, great, great comments. I do have an Ethereum chart, though, CK. But before we jump into yeah. that, you know, I just want to say, you know, so talking about October's October, it last October 21, it ripped October yeah. 22, it ripped this past October. That was the accumulation opportunity, it seems. So mm. if you were buying hand over fist, if you were stacking hard at those times, cheers to you. You know, I want to give you a shout out. And, you know, hopefully this looks like, you know, a generational opportunity here, October, 2020, 2023, yeah, no, 2022, but yeah, absolutely. All right. That's all I have for the Bitcoin price, but I did have a couple Ethereum charts because we're starting to see the Bitcoin dominance index going up, you know, that's coin versus all other coins. And of course, Bitcoin's dominance is a hundred percent, but we see this Shanghai fork, it, it kind of jumped a little bit and now it's selling off. And the next chart is the USD price, which is probably more important because of the trading pair with Tether and USDC. Those are more important. Uh, Chris, could you go to the next chart, please? It's down below the Shanghai fork zone. So it looks possibly like some of that selling has happened now and we'll have to wait and see how this goes but also compare this to the merge it's not really any higher than that with the ultrasound money hasn't really done anything for the price of ethereum ck do you have any comments on this yeah i mean i i personally am fearful of being a bitcoiner talking shit on ethereum and getting caught in like oh they did this thing why isn't it affecting the price because we know that that's not the case with bitcoin either like something happens in bitcoin it doesn't necessarily affect the price right away it's interesting that people can withdraw their ETH now. I think that like that is something that uh, we've been saying is long-term bearish for ETH kind of Ponzi-esque mechanics. You know, ultimately, I think we're gonna look back and we're gonna see the shank or sorry, the merge as being like this death blow for for Ethereum, and then you know the Shanghai is almost being like maybe the beginning of the air coming out completely. Who knows if ETH has more room to run into the future? I think, you know, we're at 0.001% adoption right now of Bitcoin globally, which means that, you know, we have 99.99% of the world that still doesn't know what the H is happening. And even though there's way more information out there, you know, people like Ansel have really paved the way for really great Bitcoin only content. There's still so many people that we have to educate that ETH could continue to run as long as it can continue to sustain itself. So we'll see, we'll see how time goes and what happens to their system. I definitely, you know, don't think like it's fair to be like, Hey, you know, nothing is happening because of these fundamentals, because I don't think any of it is really fundamental. It's just the next big, biggest fork as Bitcoin is hyper, or next biggest coin as Bitcoin is hyper Bitcoin ising the world. And there's just going to be a lot of confusion as that happens. And so it's going to benefit from like the, the water kind of coming up with Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah. I always compared it to drag, you know, like Ethereum is in the, the wake of Bitcoin. And so as Bitcoin has pumped in 2023, it's not a surprise that Ethereum has followed along with it. 
and but not at the rate i mean you saw the other chart the one before this against bitcoin it's it's continuing to sell off against bitcoin but that's all the bitcoin slash altcoin charts i had the other kind of macro price chart i have is oil the big news here is that it has closed that gap from the april production cut that was announced by opec plus and i labeled both of the recent cuts from opec here and you can see the price of oil just continues to sell off to me this says that there is just no global demand the economy is very very sick and that's the theme here for the rest of the show is to what's going on exactly how come the economy is so sick but then this last or at the bottom here on this chart this zone is where the biden administration has said that they're going to buy oil to put back into the strategic petroleum reserve so we'll see if that happens this time there's a lot of back and forth going on chess game here ck any comment on oil price no i i guess just to follow up for those who haven't watched the show before why do you think that oil is like such a good barometer for health and the global economy well oil demand it's the base demand for everything you know it's an energy demand proxy we can look at natural gas as well but oil is just the more economic activity you have the more energy you use and the more oil you will consume so if the price of oil is going down most likely that means and especially the price of oil going down when supply is being cut that means demand has to be falling even faster which is a negative economic signal yeah that makes sense yeah and we went over kind of like we dug into the saudi price hikes or yeah. not price hikes, the Saudi supply cuts or production cuts, that they're in production cuts is the right word. Yes. We dug into the Saudi production cuts multiple times on this show, pretty much every time they become relevant. And there's definitely more to that than it seems, but it seems like they cannot outcut the the drop in demand, <laughs> which is key here is that yes, they're cutting, but demand is falling faster than they're cutting. And they're almost cutting to meet the meet the the demand levels rather than you know having such a massive surplus. Yeah, and the oil price can also help you weed, find the signal through the noise or how to interpret the headlines. So when there's all this hype about China reopening and the price of oil was dropping, I was like, no, nah, there's not going to be any, there's nothing to this China reopening. And so, yeah, it's a really good way to get a feel for sniffing out BS right out there. My fellow plebs. Come celebrate Bitcoin winter in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLive to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. Okay. All right, let's 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 move. So the next one we have up is the GDP. So US real GDP came out this morning and it was slightly positive, but it underperformed expectations. I have a little bit of an article here to read. Let me pull this up. Sorry guys, here we go. So 
There was an almost palpable gasp of surprise at 8.30 a.m. Eastern when the BEA reported that in Q1, real GDP rose just 1.1% and a big drop from the 2.6% GDP in Q4. It was also the lowest GDP print since Q2 of 2022 when growth was negative to the tune of negative 0.6%. The deceleration primarily reflected a downturn in inventory investment and a slowdown in business investment. These movements were partly offset by an acceleration in consumer spending, a smaller decrease in housing investment, and an upturn in exports. Imports also turned up. And then I have the next chart is kind of a breakdown of what we're seeing here. Sorry, I'm toggling windows here myself. Okay, so yeah, you can see that the black line is the overall mean or average of all of the different components, and it is ticking downward once again, but still in positive territory. So one of the things people are waiting for this quote-unquote recession to happen, you know, we had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth in 2022, but it wasn't considered a textbook recession. So anyways, are we going to have a recession? If it is a major recession, you would think, oh, well, of course it has to hit two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. But since the first quarter was positive, you know, we can push that down the line here to later in the year. CK, any thoughts on that up to this point? I have a couple more charts. I was just looking at the different breakdowns. It's actually uh, really interesting to see how much the breakdowns fluctuate, but it does look like personal consumption expenditure has really been the 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 thing pushing forward positively almost every single quarter. Everything else yes. seems to be pretty turbulent. Yes, the dark blue. And then the, the greenish color here, that's the private inventories. And you can see that was quite negative this last quarter. And also exports were up. Let me get those exact numbers here. So exports were up by half a percent and imports were down by half a percent quarter on quarter. So that's an interesting update there as well. If we go to the next chart, we have, this is the chart of the personal consumption core. So yes, some of the economic activity slowed down, but also the core PCE or the personal consumption index went up. So you can see that little tick in the very last quarter. That was a surprise for the market as well, that inflation went up. Now I have one more chart here and I, I just made it this morning because I wanted to try to explain my thinking on why this, where we are in the cycle. So Chris, if we go to the next chart, so this, you can see the red is inflation and the green is nominal GDP. What we saw in 2022 is inflation outpaced GDP. Then we had inflation peaking and starting to come down and GDP continuing to accelerate up. That's why we saw some 10, 11% nominal GDP numbers last year. But now we're back on the downward slide and it's feeling very recessionary, right? Like growth is slowing rapidly. But, and it can drop down here again. We might go negative on GDP where the green line goes back below the red line. But overall, we'll, since inflation is more sticky than GDP, the inflation is going to take longer to get back to normal, but it should normalize. So this is, I think, a good image of my thought process on what's going on right now with GDP 
and inflation. CK, any thoughts on this? I mean, I think it's helpful to to see the relationship between both inflation and nominal GDP. But at the same time, like, you know, I don't have I don't have a whole lot to add, really. All right. Well, that's all we have for GDP. Are you ready to go into the M2 money supply? Let's talk about it. All right. So, you know, the inflation Eastas out there, I guess you could call them inflationistas. They are all about M2 as being what money supply is. It's a the broadest measure of money that the Fed tracks. And uh, anyway, what we've seen here over the last few months is an actual absolute decrease in the amount of M2 money supply. Here is a, just an article here from Mises.org, and I wanted to read through a little bit of this. So money supply growth fell again in February falling even further into negative territory after turning negative in November 2022 for the first time in 28 years. February's drop continues a steep downtrend from the unprecedented highs experienced during much of the past two years. Since April 2021, money supply growth has slowed quickly, and since November, we've been seeing the money supply contract for the first time since the 1990s. The last time the year-over-year change in money supply slipped into negative territory was November 94. At that time, negative growth continued for 15 months, finally turning positive again in January of 96. During February 2023, the downturn became even bigger as year-on-year growth in the money supply was at negative 6.6%. That's down from January's rate of negative 5% and down from February 2022's rate of positive 6.9%. With negative growth now dipping below 6%, negative 6%, money supply contraction is approaching the biggest declines we've seen in decades. At no point for at least 60 years has the money supply fallen by more than 5.6% in any month. And I have a chart, a couple charts here of the M2 money supply. If we could go to the next chart, Chris. This is a long-term view, and you can see it's extremely negative. This goes back to what year is that? 1960. So yeah, it's the the most negative that the M2 money supply has been in a long time. And next slide is just zoomed in a little bit on the last 20 years, and you can see why everybody is freaking out about this metric. Now, the, the reason why I pointed out inflationistas liking M2 is because what would they have to say if they you know look at this chart they have to say that we are experiencing deflationary pressures or and or this is outright we are in deflation right now so ck any thoughts on what's going on with the m2 money supply i'm curious what's causing the the decrease kind of month over month but it is really kind of like interesting to see this is very very new behavior and it's been something that you've been kind of calling out for a long time here on the show, as long as we've known is, you know, even before this like giant spike here, you know, you're saying like, Hey, this is not what it seems. And Mm -hmm. the inflation narrative is going to be proven wrong. And it's interesting to see the data kind of like show this trend. And again, show the trend being something that the long-term trend has been completely broken. And now we are doing something different here when it comes to M2 and and that's, you've been kind of calling that out for a long time, which is it's deflation. Yeah. Do you remember having Jeff Schneider on the show and we talked about the different measures of money? So M2 is just the broadest measure of money that they 
they use. They used to have M3, but that has been discontinued. And uh, Jeff was saying, hey, there needs to be like M20 and M25 because money has is constantly evolving and you have to keep track or you have to update how you measure money. So M2 is it's kind of like an old measure that nobody really it doesn't really convey any information anymore. But anyway, I tried to tease this out with some of my guys over there on Telegram. And, uh, you know, if M2 spikes when money is pulled out of more esoteric and exotic forms of money. But when M2 drops, it's not going back into the financial economy to, you know, pump it back up. It's just being, you know, it's disappearing. So this is really, really interesting to see how people are reacting to this from the inflation camp, how their narratives are going to have to change because this is outright deflation. And I don't know, it's just one of the most fascinating developments in the last probably six months to me. Can you talk about, you know, why you think, you know, explain your last statement, which is that what M2 is actually displaying is money leaving exotic instruments. And then when M2 goes down, like, why is that only destruction and deflation rather than that money going back into other instruments? Well, M2 measures deposits pretty much in the banking system and as you know real money out there high powered money that's in repo it's being rehypothecated it's being re-lent out re-collateralized and all you know all this stuff the, the that type of money is not counted in m2 so m2 can look like it's you know just growing nice and flat but in really in reality in the financial system there is exponential growth of money happening Okay. But then in bad times, when they, the government spends money and they're, they're pulling savings out and putting it into deposits, they're pulling money out of this esoteric form of money and they're putting it into M2, which is just like plain basic money. So it's kind of like, I I don't know what word I'm, it's like neutering that money. That money would be very useful if it could be out there in the, the economy, the financialized economy. But if you pull it down and you put it into M2, now that's low powered money versus being high powered money. So that's how I see M2. And I got those ideas initially from Jeff Schneider. So it's not like this is that uncommon way to look at it. And then how about the second, the second part of the question, which is why do you think, you know, M2 going down is is kind of like value destruction or deflation? Just because I don't know how that, you know, if you're pulling money out of high powered money into low powered money of M2, how does it get back the other way? So if M2 is dropping, it's not like it's leaving and going back out there into the economy and being productively used, it's actually disappearing. And that can happen by paying off debts. An example of that would be, you know, M2 goes up, that means bank deposits are going up and people use those bank deposits to pay off credit card debt or to pay off their home loan or to do that. And when you pay off debt, money is being extinguished. So a lot of that money is being pulled from high powered money to low powered money and then used to pay off debts, which is actual deflation. That's kind of what I'm meaning there. That makes sense. All right. Should we should we move on? Yeah, yeah. Let's go to de-dollarization. That's the biggest topic of the week, I think, or oh, yeah. maybe the last few months. And it got to a fever pitch when Elon Musk actually tweeted about this. I have a few quotes from this. This is from thestreet.com. And I'll put a, make sure to put a link to this in the 
show notes to the podcast version when that comes out. But let's go to the next slide. And I'm just going to read through some of this here. Sorry, I'm getting my copy up to the top. And these rumors are fed by various articles, starting with headlines saying that Russia is now considering using China's yuan for its global trade. Then talk followed that Saudi Arabia, a major U.S. ally, was considering charging in yuan for its oil exports to China. Things accelerated. France was reportedly considering buying gas from China with yuan, while Brazil and Beijing were considering not, no longer using the U.S. dollar in their bilateral trade relations. The avalanche of rumors about the U.S. about the demise of the U.S. dollar was such that some headlines said the BRICS countries, an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, were considering developing a new reserve currency, while India was in the process of settling some trades in rupees. So yeah, this this is a very succinct summary of the last couple months how this has snowballed. And de-dollarization is a major, major topic out there. What what are you thinking about this de-dollarization? Are you noticing it as much as I am out there, CK? No, it's definitely a huge topic. It's something, you know, Bitcoiners talk about de-dollarization for a long time. So I think like Bitcoiners really want this, this narrative to be true. You know, our thesis here is that it's actually hyper-dollarization followed by hyper-Bitcoinization. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't think that the dollar is going to like... We think the dollar system is failing, but I don't think that there's going to be a competitor that arises outside of Bitcoin. Yeah. I think gold doesn't work on the internet and all of these other currencies are much weaker compared to the dollar. You know, they're all, they all have dirty shirts. Just the dollar has the least dirty shirt and they're all broken and they all look terrible compared to Bitcoin, which is pristine effectively. But in terms of like the, this narrative, I think part of it is potentially political. Right. There, mm -hmm. There's a political reason to, as the election is approaching, to start painting the current administration as like fucking up their their stewardship of the dollar. That also is political pointed at Jerome Powell saying that he messed up his stewardship of the dollar. And look at all these examples of, you know, where the dollar is losing ground. So it makes sense that timing wise, you know, and and kind of given these, I guess, like big headlines why you know this narrative is really strong yeah great points and when i think of timing i think of the BRICS timing you know and china so we have our political election cycle and our political problems over here but so do all these other countries and they want to demonize the dollar they want to say hey the reason why we're going into the hardest recession in maybe 50 years in some of these countries is because the evil american capitalists and their dollar you know, so they're blaming us for their recession. And I think that's a major part of it as well. The funny thing about all these about all these countries is that the actual people of these countries, if they can get dollars, they will. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we have a, a, a story that goes j exactly into that. But let's take a look at the next. If you skip the next slide, Chris, and go to to Yeah, there we go. So some experts are saying, hey, this is not even a big problem because there's no other real alternative to the dollar at this time right bitcoin is still tiny it's still hyper bitcoinizing but the like the euro is not a challenger the yuan is not a challenger let's read a little bit of this for the podcast listeners despite its growing role in the global economy and long-standing desire to unseat the dollar china lacks the investor protections 
institutional quality and capital market openness required to internationalize a yuan that is still not fully convertible overseas. Okay, while the dollar's share of the central bank's $12 trillion foreign exchange reserves has indeed declined since 1990, it is still nearly twice that of the euro, yen, pound, and yuan combined. Okay, its nearest competitor for global currency status, the euro accounts for barely 20% of central bank reserves. The dollar accounted for 58% of central bank's foreign exchange reserves, according to data from the IMF. And I do have a chart here at the end about the newest data from the IMF. Okay, let's go to the next slide. This is a story just, I think this morning out of Reuters and CK, it speaks exactly well, to what you, go ahead. I was about to say, I'd be really interested to see gold in the mix of central bank reserves versus the dollar as well. Mm. But that's, that's my only comment for the last article. And yeah, let's talk about Argentina. Yeah, so they're they're saying that they're going to start paying for some Chinese imports in yu yuan rather than dollars. This hit just this morning. But if you go to the next slide, Chris, the kicker is in the very first sentence. So the, the article starts out, Argentina will start to pay for Chinese imports in yuan rather than dollars, the government announced Wednesday, a measure that aims to relieve the country, country's dwindling dollar reserves. In April, it aims to pay around $1 billion of Chinese imports in yuan instead of dollars. And thereafter, around $790 million of monthly imports will be paid in yuan, a government statement said. The decision aims to ease the outflow of dollars. So this is a dollar shortage argument that M2 is crashing. And now all these countries are talking about de-dollarizing because they want to stop their dollar outflows. CK, am I, am I crazy or does this make perfect sense that M2 is crashing, the, there is a dollar shortage going on, there's deflationary money, and now all of these other countries are looking for a dollar alternative or a monetary alternative. Am I, do you think I'm reading this right or wrong? No, you're absolutely reading it right. And you know, when I was in <coughs> Argentina, every single person wanted dollars. The official exchange, exchange rate, $4 at bank was at a pretty much a 55% haircut. So you were getting ripped off big time if you dealt with dollars and an official bank. And since leaving Argentina, uh, the exchange, the on the street exchange rate was 380 to the dollar, pesos to the dollar. Now that was like not that long ago, that was two months ago. Now it's $1 equals 140, sorry, sorry, no, sorry. 400, 480, right? So from 380 to 480. So that wow. is up a hundred pesos since I left and uh, just last month, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think I left mid March. So yeah, let's call it six weeks. So that is absolutely insane. And at the same time, you know, you're reading articles about like, you can't, you can't get dollars out of your bank account anymore. You can't, you know, the government is is running out of dollars, there is a dollar shortage going on. So of course, you know, it makes complete sense that they're gonna be like, hey, well, let's pay for as many things as we can, as many bilateral agreements that we can with with these shit coins, and let's try to keep the dollars in the safe. Yeah, sorry, I was just making myself a note there so I don't forget how <laughs> I want to make a point here about Bitcoin at the end. But the next chart is very, very interesting. I want to get your take on this too, CK. And it is the most recent data from the IMF, and it shows the breakdown of foreign exchange reserves by central banks. The dark blue, of course, is the dollar. On the left, it's a percentage 
of the total. And on the right, it is just an absolute total. So you can kind of get a, a view of what's going on. As you can see, being over 50%, that means the use of the US dollar is more than every other currency combined for foreign exchange reserves. CK, what are your thoughts when you see this chart? I mean, it kind of feels a little bit like the Bitcoin dominance idea. It's like, <laughs> it, it's like Bitcoin is 100% dominant, yeah. but when there's like unlimited shit coins on the other side of it, like, of course, it's going to kind of like drown out some of it. So that's, um, that's probably what's happening here, to be honest, is there's only one real currency that's being used. Everyone else is trying to find ways to leverage their shit coin whenever they can. But ultimately, no one wants that and no one wants to let go of their dollars. What a perfect analogy. Yeah, that's this is fiat dominance. Bitcoin, the US dollar is fiat, 100% fiat dominance, just like Bitcoin is 100% crypto dominance or whatever. So, yeah. And the last thing I want to say, I want to tie this into Bitcoin. So, everybody knows the inflation argument for Bitcoin. In a hyperinflation, when the money is being debased, Bitcoin has a fixed supply its value should go up relative to the value of the dollars. In a deflationary argument or a deflationary scenario, the arguments are different. And a lot of people don't understand that. We've I've used this show and my own podcast, Bitcoin and Markets, to try to educate people on why Bitcoin wins in a deflationary environment. And that's exactly what all of these things that we've talked about today are pointing to, a deflationary environment, a dollar shortage, People are searching out there for monetary solutions and Bitcoin is a monetary solution. It's a dead, simple monetary solution. It's just that the powers that be aren't quite ready to make that leap yet, but I think they're getting close. CK, do you think they're getting close to seeing this as a solution to this dollar shortage? Yeah, I mean, I, I take a lot of influence from you in terms of how I see the future system and Ultimately, you know, then this is kind of your phrasing is like Bitcoin is just this new virgining system. So uh, as as this new virgining system continues to grow and continues to show itself as being a better system for allocating capital and for creating growth, we are seeing what's happening in the dollar and everything attached to the dollar. It's sliding down. It's 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 falling in on it on its own weight. It's collapsing in on itself. So this this dynamic is this new virgining system, and then the old system kind of collapsing in on itself is is I think that's the most accurate way to like interpret what's happening around us. I couldn't put it any better than that, CK. I'm done with all of my prepared topics. Do you have anything you want to bring up here at the end? No, man, this is a great show. We hit on a lot of different stuff. I think the show characterizes a lot of the thesis of this show, FedWatch, that we do every single week. So it's a great example for anyone who's watching that is new of what we bring, which is we analyze what's happening in macro around the, around the world. And we have a Bitcoin perspective. We think about how Bitcoin fits into the future and competes in that future. And that's what we talk about here on the show. Ansel, it was a great show. Thanks so much for putting it together. Excited to see you in person in Miami. It's been a long time. I think last time I saw you was at Bitcoin Day Nashville, which is an absolute pleasure, but excited to see you in Miami, May 18th through the 20th, Miami Beach, Florida. And yeah, Bitcoin 2023. Be there, be square, 21 days. Let's go. <laughs> what is up, audio listeners? Thank you for enjoying another episode of FedWatch. 
Down in the show notes, you will find all the appropriate links to our social media, the original version of this podcast, and community links. Also, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com, where I put out a free weekly newsletter every Friday. And there you can also help support the show by signing up to become a paid member. See you next time. My fellow plebs, come celebrate Bitcoin winner in Miami at Bitcoin 2023. The largest Bitcoin conference in the world returns to Miami from Miami 18th to the 20th. Head on over to b.tc forward slash conference to get your tickets today. Use promo code BMLive to get 10% off your tickets before prices go up. Plebs, if you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, then you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's a free and a paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts Dylan LeClaire, Dr. Jeff Ross, and Sam Rule break down what's going on in the market so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com.